0: This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill.
1: Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, January the 30th of 2018. And I want to jump right into it because we got a lot to cover. I want to talk about the latest shooting of a black man. And you may have heard about it. There may have been some protests. There may have been some hashtags. Black Lives Matter may have actually gone up to Detroit and marched about this. So I'm sure you've seen it on all the major news networks, the mainstream media. And the individual that was shot was 26-year-old. Glenn Doss in Detroit, and it happened last Wednesday back on, I believe that was the 24th. He was shot in the head, uh, and he later died this past Sunday. So I'm sure by now you've heard about it. You've seen all the protests. You've seen all the hashtags. You've heard all of the civil rights attorneys, and you've seen all the marches going on up in the city of Detroit. Well, actually, you haven't seen that because... Glendoss Doss was a black male. Yes, he was. He was 26 years old. He lived in the city of Detroit, but he died a hero. He died doing what many of us in blue do every day without question, without reward, without respect. He died protecting and serving. That's right. Glendoss Doss was a Detroit city police officer. He was actually a second-generation police officer. One thing I aspire that my son will one day do is be a police officer somewhere to follow in my footsteps. But Glenn Doss, 26 years old, was shot in the head last Wednesday. He died this past Sunday. Now, let me give you the background on this. And you've heard me say this on my show so many, many, many times. Not only is policing the most dangerous job in the world, it, it, when I was in it, it was way more dangerous than when I was in the military. True statement. But there's two things in the police world that are very dangerous, and ask any police officer and they will tell you. Well, first of all, at any given moment, anything in that job can go wrong really quick. But there's two things that are very, very dangerous. Traffic stop. In a domestic dispute. And I liken them to each other in this way, right? When you're doing a traffic stop, and people think that traffic stops are routine, but when you're doing a traffic stop and you're walking up to a vehicle, you don't know what's inside that vehicle. You don't know who's inside that vehicle. You don't know what their intentions are. You don't know what they just did that they want to get away from. You don't know if there's a gun. You don't know if there's a knife. You don't know if as you're walking up, they're going to get out and shoot you. You don't know if when you're walking up, they're going to take off in the car or they're going to get out and run. You don't know. So those are the the real dangers of a traffic stop. Now, why do I say I liken a domestic dispute to a traffic stop? Well, it's the same situation. You get a call about a domestic dispute. I would actually say it's probably a tad bit more dangerous than a traffic stop simply because Typically, when it's a domestic dispute, you already have an individual or individuals whose tempers are flaring, who are upset, who are irrational. So you're dealing with that. But anyway, when you're dealing with a domestic dispute, officers are already at a disadvantage because A, the person that called could easily turn on you. B, it can become a very physical situation. As soon as the police get there and see, most importantly, you don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah. You may get a name during the radio call that says complainant Susie Smith called in and said her, bo- her husband, Bob Smith is assaulting her, but you don't know Bob Smith. You just know that that's the name you were given during a call. So officers are already at a disadvantage and keep in mind the suspect, the individual of the domestic dispute, always, just like in a traffic stop, always has the upper hand or the drop on the police officers that arrive to the scene because they can usually see the police coming way before the police even see them. And, and, and they can prepare To take action against the police way before the police can even have a chance to react to it. And that's exactly what happened to Officer Glenn Doss this past Wednesday. Police got a call. Again, that's when police usually show up to a situation. When they get a call, take all of that race crap out of the equation. They got a call about a domestic dispute. Uh... The individual's wife, the shooter's wife, I'm not even going to give his name, he's facing life in prison now, as well he should, uh, called and said that uh, they were having a domestic dispute, and he may be armed with a gun, yada, yada, yada. So, of course, police show up. So, as officers approach, and I may have said this on my show before, but if not, I will explain it. I always called the patrol car the graveyard. And just let that sink in for a second. Why do you call it the graveyard? Well, it's simple because it's really hard to maneuver, get out of the way, draw your weapon, fight back in a patrol car. So if someone has a drop on you and they start firing, you're already at a disadvantage. You can't just immediately jump out. You can't draw your weapon and start returning fire because you really can't see where the gunshots are coming from. There's a whole lot of things of why I call a patrol car a graveyard. Even on a traffic stop. You're sitting in your car. You're riding that ticket. You take that your eye off that car for one second. Then that individual gets out and shoots you through the windshield. Or shoots you through the driver's side door. It happens in policing. It happens all the time. So... Glenn Doss and a bunch of other Detroit police officers, because there was the allegation of the gun, approach the residents here in Detroit, there in Detroit, and as they're approaching, the shooter is already outside, so he again, like I said, they usually know when the police are coming, because they know that they've been called, and like I said, they usually will have the drop, or the advantage, over responding police officers, So as the officers were officers were approaching, the shooter shot several rounds into some of the patrol cars and he struck Glenn Doss in the head. This was Wednesday. He passed this past Sunday. Now, on Friday, I had an opportunity to speak with the media relations officer there in Detroit, Officer Holly Lowe. Uh, about something totally unrelated, about a, a TV project that, that I've been working on. And we want to feature Detroit as one of the cities uh, that we, we film in. It's a police related show to show the human side of police. And godly, if there's not a more important time to show that now, just ask the family of Glenn Doss. You don't think that they would have him back at any second? You don't think that when he went home, he was a human being? When he went home to his nine month old son, Eli, he was a human being? So, anyway, I was talking to Officer Lowe and I asked about Glenn Doss. And, you know, she said he was in critical condition, but you can just tell in her voice that I think she knew the inevitable. And, you know, in the way he was shot, I listened to his dad's press conference and he talked about, how the bullet entered the front of his head just above his eye, uh, went towards the back, then ricocheted and came back out towards the front. It it was pretty clear that the chances of survival were slim, and I'm sure his family, his father, again, who is a Detroit police officer, uh, appreciate and appreciated all the prayers uh, they received. So that was Friday when I talked to Officer Lowe. Again, Glenn Doss died uh, this past Sunday. And those charges for the shooter have been upgraded, of course, to first degree murder. He was originally facing, and I'll read the charges. Uh, He had been charged with one count of carrying a dangerous weapon, seven counts of resisting and obstructing. Eight counts of assault with intent to murder. I assume there were eight police officers that responded, and seventeen counts of felony firearm. Uh that's what he was charged with or arraigned with this past Saturday in the thirty fourth District Court there in Detroit. Now his wife has said that he suffers from mental health issues. And you know what? I, I don't I don't know if that's true, but I can tell you I do really get tired of that being the default to everything. Oh, he suffers from mental health and that's the default, so therefore it made his actions okay. His actions were not okay because if you listen to his arraignment, he was more worried about the number of charges. Then showing remorse that he shot and now has killed Officer Glenn Doss. When the judge was reading the charges, you could just see the look on his face. And when she said 17 counts, 17 counts. Why so many? So you have to question, is he mentally unstable unstable? Or is he not? Because he was. Mentally capable enough to understand everything the judge was reading and saying, but yet he showed no remorse for Glenn Doss. Now, let me flip the script here for just a second. Let me flip the script. Now, let's say police showed up to the home and this shooter, who's 43 years old, he's a male black as well. Let's say this shooter. Fired these rounds, didn't hit any of the police there in Detroit, and then they fired back and killed him there on the scene. Now, remember a few minutes ago at the start of the show when I said the protests and the hashtags and the marches and the civil rights attorneys and the Black Lives Matter movement? Imagine the fallout. Imagine what would have happened if that scenario had played out. And we've seen it before. Oh, forget that he was breaking the law. Forget that he was assaulting his wife. Forget that he shot at police. Forget all of that. It would be he was a good guy. He suffered from mental illness. The police should have known. They shouldn't have shot him. They should have de-escalated the situation. It's racial. It's all this, that, and the other. Because police just have it out for the black community, especially in the city of Detroit. Now, mind you, there's another officer who was shot last year in the head, who is still fighting to recover. And in the city of Detroit over the last year and a half, eight officers have been shot three, which have died. Well, I'm sorry. Now four, because if you add Glenn Doss to that equation, nine officers have been shot Four have been killed in the line of duty in the city of Detroit. But God forbid if the roles were reversed and this 43-year-old black male who fired at police was shot and killed by the same police. I assure you right now in the city of Detroit, there would be riots. I assure you right now, there would be hashtags, there would be t-shirts, there would be kneeling at the Super Bowl, there would be all of this. But who's kneeling for Officer Glenn Doss, besides myself, besides his brothers and sisters in blue in Detroit, besides his brothers and sisters in blue across this country, besides his family, who's kneeling for Officer Glenn Doss? And I get so sick of hearing that how much Black Lives Matter, and I said it before, I said it on Fox News, I've said it on this show, but I'll say it again. If Black Lives Matter... How come my black life did not matter when I was wearing a blue uniform? Because if Glenn Doss was not a police officer and he was shot by police in the city of Detroit, you better believe we would know his name. But unless you follow these stories that are near and dear to my heart, anytime a police officer is killed, unless you follow these stories, you don't hear about it on CNN. You don't hear about it on MSNBC. You don't hear Colin Kaepernick talking about it. You don't hear the NFL kneeling about it and saying, we need justice. We need justice. You don't hear these stories. But if Black Lives Matter, shouldn't Black Lives Matter be in Detroit right now? Marching for Glenn Das? Shouldn't they be doing that? Because they say Black Lives Matter. but. I speak from personal experience to know my black life didn't matter wearing a blue uniform. My black life probably still doesn't matter because I'm a veteran, a former police officer and conservative. So I don't fit the bill. I don't fit the narrative to make sure my black life, my black life matters. And apparently neither did Glenn Doss. But let me tell you who his life mattered 2. His life mattered to his nine-month-old son, Eli. His life mattered to his girlfriend of over nine years, Emily Kraus, who was Eli's mother. His life really mattered to them because, let's think about it, I'm not saying she doesn't work, but he was a pretty substantial part of her life financially. But Outside of the financial part of it, he was the father of her son. Now, nothing against Emily, but a woman cannot raise a boy into a man. So now you have this little nine month old who will not have his father around when it is most crucial. In those teenage years where he needs to go from being a boy into a man, you know, learning things like responsibility, how to treat a woman. Do you not realize that Glenn would have shown little Eli what it's like to treat a woman simply by the way he treated Eli's mother? Now that is taken away from little Eli. He'll never get that back. I assure you, little Eli, Even though he doesn't understand what's going on right now, thought and thinks and will think that his dad's life mattered. Emily, who I had the privilege to talk to via Facebook on yesterday. You don't think Glenn's life mattered to Emily? They were together nine years. Nine years years now I've been married twice and neither one of them equaled nine years now if you add them up together I think I might be right at nine but these two had been together for nine years that is amazing that is a true testament to the love that they had for each other and now that's taken away you don't think Glenn in his life mattered to Emily So I I asked Emily, I said, listen, is there anything you would want me to say about Glenn? And I, I hope once she has had some time to heal and has an opportunity that I can get her on this show to talk about her life with Glenn. Yeah, I don't want to talk about how he was shot and killed with her because, A, we know how that happened. And B, I want to hear The personal side of Glenn Doss. That's what I want to hear. And I know my listeners would want to hear it. But I I asked Emily uh, on Facebook. I said, listen, is there anything you would like for me to say regarding Glenn and her words, her words, just that he loved his job? He was passionate and look, looked forward to going to work every day. He loved his job. He was passionate and he looked forward to going to work every day. Now, here's what's ironic about that. Not only does Glenn remind me of a young me back in the day when I was out on the streets, I I looked forward to going to work every day, even when I was sick, even when I was hurt. I was passionate about it and I loved the job of policing. Here's the irony in all of this. Glenn originally was not going to be a police officer. He had gone to school. He would got a few degrees and he came to his dad one day and he said, hey, what do I need to do to become a police officer? And as they say, the rest is history. So it wasn't in his plan, his original plan to become a police officer. And maybe it was he saw the great things that his father was doing Or maybe it's because he wanted to make his father proud. Maybe he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps, which is why I went into the army, because I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps, make him proud to say, yes, dad, I'm proud of what you've done for me. Now let me return the favor. So I don't know why Glenn decided to be a police officer, but he did. And the simple fact that Emily says he looked forward to going to work every day. To me, that speaks volumes. Simply because, again, it's the city of Detroit. Let's, not, let, let's be honest, they don't have the best crime rate in the world. And I just gave you the numbers since 2016, how many police officers in the city of Detroit have been shot and how many in the city of Detroit have been killed by gunfire. Now, granted, police shootings police being shot, I should say, take place all around this country. But I can't think of another city where nine officers in the last year and a half have been shot. I can't think of another city where four police officers have died in the last year and a half by gunfire. Now, I know in Florida, I believe it was Tampa, there were two officers killed on the same day. In a few other cities, there were... Officers killed on the same day. Of course, when you look at Dallas, there were five police officers killed on the same day by a Black Lives Matter supporter. But Detroit, overall, you got the crime rate. I don't know how much they make, but I know they don't make as much as I was making in Nashville. You got the crime rate. You got subpar pay at best. You got... People who don't like police, people who want to fight police, people that want to shoot police, people that want to kill police. But yet Glenn every day and Emily would know because, again, they were together nine plus years. Glenn every day looked forward to putting that uniform on, going out in the mean streets of Detroit and protecting and serving. And on Wednesday, As Glenn was going to that call, now of course, we all know the dangers of the job, but we never want to have that in our head that this is our last call, right? So as Glenn was going to that call on Wednesday, that domestic dispute, he was still going to do what he loved to do every day, protect and serve. He was going there to protect the victim of this domestic dispute. He was going there to serve her by getting her out of the situation. He didn't know her from Adam. He didn't know her from Eve, Steve, Weave. He did not know that lady. But he loved, he loved the responsibility and the duty of protecting and serving the citizens of Detroit, Michigan. Here's another person Glenn's life mattered to. His dad, Glenn Doss Sr., who put food on little Glenn's table when he was growing up, doing the exact same thing, protecting and serving. Glenn Sr. was going out, not knowing if he would make it home, to Glenn Jr. all these years only for the tragic ending of Glenn Doss Jr. being killed in the line of duty. Think about that and let that set in. Glenn Doss Sr. did the job of policing for many, many, many years in the city of Detroit. I'm sure there were times where he was Faced with some dangerous situations where he didn't know if he was going to make it home. To his son, only for his son who followed in his footsteps to be killed in the line of duty. And it was his son that went to him and asked, hey dad, what do I need to do to become a police officer? I'm sure as a father, I'm sure as a father, he lit up inside when he heard that. He may not have shown it, but I'm sure as a father, as any father would be, to have his son follow in his footsteps, let me just go on the air and just say, positive footsteps, like real father-son type stuff. Anyway, I'm sure as a dad, he was just elated that his son wanted to follow in his footsteps. And now... His dad had to give a press conference to say, thank you, everyone, for the prayers. Thank you, everyone, for your well wishes while my son was in the hospital fighting for his life. You don't think Glenn Doss Jr.'s life mattered to his dad? So where are the hashtags? Where are the protests? Whereas everything else we would see if the shooter who shot and killed this police officer was shot by said police officers. We would still be hearing about it right now, today, almost a week later, if the roles were reversed. And you can say what you want about it, but you know it's true. So why... Can't this officer, this black male, this 26-year-old black male, get the same respect as if he would if he was just some guy off the street who was up to no good and got shot and killed by police? If that doesn't make your blood boil, if that doesn't upset you, if that doesn't make you say something is totally wrong with how people think, then maybe you need to evaluate yourself to see where your morals and where your conscience lies. Because if someone who breaks the law, fights police, resists arrest, shoots a police officer in the head, would get the same thing, would get all of that but yet this police officer who leaves now behind a nine-month-old little Eli if you're not upset about that if you don't want the same reaction that we would get then something is seriously wrong something is seriously wrong now speaking of Emily and little Eli How can you help them out? Now, keep in mind, they just lost a breadwinner in the family. Outside of the fact that they lost a lover, a father, a rock, a support system, they lost a financial piece to that family. So there is a GoFundMe account uh, set up for Emily and for little Eli on behalf of, or it was set up by Lauren Wolf on behalf of Emily Krause. And uh, I will post the GoFundMe link on my Twitter account. Uh, If you feel it in your heart to make a donation, uh, just remember there's a little nine-month-old right now who will not ever see his father again. Um, So if you feel it in your heart, go out, donate to the GoFundMe page. Again, I hope to... Soon have Emily on the show so we can talk about the man who was Glenn Doss. And with that, of course, it is time for my ten-seven segment. And it's only fitting, of course, that I honor Glenn Doss. Police officer Glenn Doss Jr. succumbed to gunshot wounds sustained four days earlier while responding to a domestic violence call in the 5500 block of McDougal Street at approximately 10.30 p.m. Before officers arrived on the scene, the male subject exited the home with a firearm. As Officer Doss and his partner arrived at the location, the man opened fire on their patrol car, striking Officer Doss in the head. His partner transported him to the Detroit Receiving Hospital, where he underwent immediate surgery. The subject barricaded himself inside the home for approximately four hours until being taken into custody with the SWAT team deployed when the SWAT team deployed chemical agents in the home. Officer Doss passed away from his injuries on January 28, 2018. Officer Doss had served with the Detroit Police Department for two years. He is survived by his nine-month-old child, girlfriend, and parents. His father also serves as a police officer with the Detroit Police Department. To Glenn Doss, Godspeed to you, my friend. Thank you for giving two years of your life protecting and serving the citizens of Detroit, Michigan. Thank you for having the love and the passion to do that job every day. As Emily said Thank you, sir, for being brave enough to pay the ultimate sacrifice. To your family, your father, my prayers to you. To Emily, my prayers to you. To little Eli, my prayers to you, my son. Thank you for listening, and I will see you right here next week, radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an
0: In the Trenches with Ian Beckles. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Minnesota against Jacksonville is the unsexiest Super Bowl ever. Like, I can't think of a matchup that would be less sexy than Minnesota against Jacksonville because I don't know anybody that hates Minnesota because there's no reason to hate Minnesota. And I don't know anybody that hates Jacksonville other than if when you're visiting there because it stinks. But other than that, nobody hates the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't have, you know, enough history and they haven't done enough for anybody to hate them. The two most hated teams in the NFL are Philadelphia and New England. They both have fantastic fan bases that will travel. If you're an Eagle fan, you can't be anybody else's fan. That's just the way it goes. And if you're a Patriot fan, you can't have a second team. Like, I've heard people say, I'm a Buccaneer and a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I'm like, whatever. If you're an Eagles fan... You can't have another team. They'll stab you in Philadelphia. do not mess around with that. Those teams, if you're not an Eagle fan, you're not allowed to like them. That's the rule. You're not allowed to. They're not likable if you're not an Eagle fan. They're not, they're not trying to be likable. They don't want you to like them. That's a fact. And if you're not a Patriots fan, you're not allowed to like them either because they're too good. And their fans can be a little obnoxious sometimes, too. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play and
1: radioinfluence.com.